Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You are now entering a critical thinking zone. So thinking caps are required beyond this point. From deep behind enemy lines, deep in the heart of the Midwest, it's your host, Andrew Coppins. And it's time for Critical Thinking. What's up, everybody? Andrew Coppins, Pat Oni. It is Critical Thinking. It is a truth or fiction Tuesday. I hope you're all ready for that. Of course, you know the drill by now. You can follow on social media. I'm at The Coppins Show. He's at The Pat Oni Show. We'll give you that one for free. Normally, we tell you you have to go to the Rumble page to find out how to do that, but you can also do that by going to rumble.com backslash critical thinking, and you know the drill by now. Wherever you can find your podcast, make sure you're downloading, subscribing, rating, reviewing, whatever you can do. Um, all of those things help this show grow. It, it doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't uh, require you to talk to anybody or interact with the world. It just simply requires you to to take one small step to to download, to subscribe, to rate, or to review. So we greatly appreciate if you would do so. Um, Pat, it is a truth or fiction Tuesday. Um, before we get into the most, uh, first of all, um, little inside baseball. Pat and I do not necessarily normally share where we're going with our truth or fictions. We want to be as raw and as um, in the moment as we possibly can. And the only time that we don't, or the only time that we might share them is if it is um, something that we feel the other person might actually have in their arsenal for that day or something we feel passionately about and make want to make sure the other person knows about it. Um, but so I'm going to ask you a quick question. Does do either of yours have anything to do with um, with the news from last night um, when it comes to Al Qaeda? Nope. Okay, so we so I want to start there before we get into truth or fiction here on the Tuesday edition of the show. Um, and by the way, uh, later today, probably tomorrow, um, but later today for sure, well, tomorrow for sure, but later today we will be dropping or I will be dropping. Well, we will because Pat helps behind the scenes um, a brand new episode of Reviving Liberty. Um, again, this is about coalitions. Versus fellowship. I'm going to talk about the those two things and how they're different and and how it is important to recognize those distinctions, those differences, and form one of them versus the other. Um. All right. So that out of the way, we killed um over the weekend the leader of Al Qaeda, Pat, the the person who we've been trying to kill since we killed Bin Laden. Arguably, even as we are attempting to kill bin Laden, um, and that was al-Zawahiri. And um, 
We did so in what country, Pat? Uh, was it by chance Afghanistan? You are correct, my friend. Mm-hmm. Do you want to keep mm-hmm. your prize, or do you want to go for the uh, what's behind door number two? What's behind door number two, there, Andrew? I don't know what's behind door number two, but my question, <laughs> okay, it is almost as if everything that we said about the losses in Afghanistan, when it comes to um, us having pulled out hastily, and and how it went down, became true. What was the last twenty one years at that point? Oh, 20 years. What were the the 20 years? The thousands of, of dead soldiers, the you know, tens of thousands of wounded soldiers, the hundreds of thousands of those who suffered, you know, mental issues and are part of the the homeless population living on our streets, which is one of the most shameful things. Um I think we have ever done as a country no veteran should ever be in a position in which they are living on the streets suffering from mental disease now if they if they have a mental issue that i get it but they deserve housing they deserve respect dignity and for us to fix the things that that uh, our government did to them what was it all about Great, we got Elza Wahiri. That that's freaking freaking fantastic. Great news, actually, right? But um, yeah. Um, Pat, correct me if I'm wrong. We went into Afghanistan to root Al Qaeda out, to kill Bin Laden, to stop the Taliban. The Taliban is back. They told us they were <clears throat> different. Right? Al Qaeda is back. <laughs> They're back to um, girls don't get education. They're back to all of their Stone Age bullshit. Well, what did we do? What was uh, it all uh, for? What, 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 is your, oh, is, what is your actual question here? It's rhetorical at this point, right? What was it all for? Sure. The CIA, I, by the way, not our military, is the one that carried out the strike. So I guess my question here, does does this administration deserve a win because of this? Well, they're, they're going to take that victory lap, and, and in some respects, sure I get it. I, I'm, I'm just asking, do they deserve it? No. Do they deserve the credit for it? Well, I mean, they deserve the credit for this killing for sure, but um, they're missing the point. The point of this is we have gone backwards to 20 years ago. We didn't advance a damn thing in Afghanistan for 20 years. Oh. Well, actually, I, I take that back. We we did advance something, apparently. What? Giving the Taliban all that, all the, all that weaponry. Good point. Good point. And so obviously I wanted to talk about that because I think people need to know that obviously we know the big news of the day. But at the end of the day, Pat, and and we kind of talked about this off air a little bit. um, I, I struggle to care about this for more than 30 seconds because of the implications of. The how, the where, the why, the what, all of the all of the bits that make up this news, other than he's dead, makes no difference. It it actually breaks my heart. And, and that's a problem. I mean, for me, this is honestly a small potato. I mean, this, this shouldn't be, but this is a small potato story. And and the the Biden administration is gonna take their victory lap and, and Honestly, they they should maybe to a point, mm-hmm. and 
but but the really sad part is this might be the only foreign policy win that he actually gets. That's even remotely a foreign policy win. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So with that out of the way, uh, Pat, why don't you give us our very first truth or fiction? All righty then. Uh, truth. So both of my truth or fictions today are going to be brought to you by the uh, Joseph Marionette Biden administration. Great. Yay. First truth or fiction. Joe Biden is losing support from young Americans. Truth. Why? Um, so this is truth because of young Americans. And this is always the case when it comes to economic strife, when it always comes to downturns in the economy. Who are the people most likely to be quickly affected by this? It is the young workforce in America because they are the least senior. They are the uh, people who have the least experience. And they tend to be the first ones out the door. Their jobs are the least likely to be safe. Now, it's also true that some of the most senior people Right. So you, if you were to look at how this goes down, it's usually the very bottom of the totem pole and the very top of the middle of the totem pole, not the top top, but the top of the middle, that senior manager. Right. That those types of individuals, those people and the people at the very bottom are going to be the ones that are most affected by this stuff. Now, that's reason number one. The second reason for me to say that this is truth is because they see him not doing the bidding or running the agenda that they would like. And this is an attack from the left, Pat. This is not a right-wing attack on him. They don't see him doing a, quote-unquote, enough on climate change. They don't see him transforming the economy, a.k.a. socialism, the way that they would like. They don't see him doing anything that would take them down the, the far left road that they would like. Now, from our perspective, he is getting you closer and closer to that, that end goal on the left. Because we're one step from the Bank of China moment that we talked about last week, right? Where the Bank of China is literally converting your savings account into a quote-unquote investment product. And guess what? You have no right to pull that investment product anymore. We're getting this much closer to all of that happening. But we continue to spend like a drunken sailor. We also then thirdly have to look at his foreign policy, right? Lots and lots of young people are non-interventionists, and we've gone into Ukraine, which is the ironic part of the, you know, the I need to put my pronouns plus the Ukrainian flag crowd. A lot of them are putting that that Ukrainian flag up there and still don't support the intervention. Honestly, so I, I, I think you look at the young are. people, it is really threefold. It is the economy stupid, right? It is mm. also um, their want of, of the woke capitalism, if you will. And he hasn't gone far enough down that road. And then three, it is his foreign policy. I, I think it is threefold. I think this is true. What about you? I just have one question for you. Uh, are, are you by chance a contributor at 538.com? No, nor would I want to be. <laughs> because the reason why, I mean, I, I would have said this is truth before this 538 article. Mm -hmm. And at least in part for the reasons that you just gave. Um, but I also I also know this because the only the only demographic that Joe Biden has seemingly done okay with if if not maybe mm -hmm. gained a little support in if not stayed the same since since the election is your karens your your suburban moms you know so um 
that that would be the only the only thing that I could think of where where he has stayed somewhat the same, if not gained maybe even some support. Um, but from five thirty eight, um, with experts who study the political beliefs of young Americans and examination of recent polls, I've identified a few key factors that help explain large drop off support. First, of course, they are concerned about the economy, a major driver of disapproval of the Biden overall and the direction of the country is headed. But young Americans have also have some concerns one is set apart from older Americans. They are particularly worried about achieving financial independence and other markers of adulthood, for instance. They are also frustrated with the Biden administration's limited progress on issues like tackling climate change and forgiving student debt which many young people care a lot about. Moreover, Biden wasn't the first choice of young voters in 2020 Democratic primary. So his approval among the group may have been soft uh, to begin with. The question now is whether this dissatisfaction with the Biden administration will affect whether young Americans vote in the midterm, a potentially significant factor in determining how poorly the midterms could go for Democrats since young people voted at a higher rate in 2018 than previous midterms and overwhelmingly backed Democrats. Yeah, and I think that is going to be a factor, but at the end of the day, I think that the number one factor is you take a look at the thing that bothers me about focusing on this is these people won't matter in this election if they turn out or not. Why? No. Um, 538, um, have you been paying attention to the Hispanic population in this country? That's the one that's going to matter. They have gone from a 10-point Democrat lead to less than 3% nationally and there's there are a lot of polls that say this is flipped the other way, where it might be a three to five percent Republican advantage in a generic polling. What do you think that's going to translate to on an individual voting basis? When when I'm talking about congressional districts, when I'm talking about Senate races, They're going to demolish anything that happens with this young vote. And, you know, to the 538 credit, I mean, yes, historically speaking, um, that base does not turn out. And, And that is why you continue to see them gaslight us on things like what's the definition of recession. It is why you continue to see Joe Biden go down the ultra MAGA route. It is why you see them bring up Donald Trump around every corner. And this is something we talked about, what, almost six, maybe eight months ago? Yeah, that, and they're going to keep beating that drum. That the election, every midterm election on a federal level is about two things. It is either about the agenda of the president or his previous opponent. And at this point, it's too much about your previous opponent and less about him. Can you pin the tail on the donkey, if you will, or can you toot your own horn? Biden cannot toot his own horn. As much as MSNBC, as much as CNN, as much as all of these news organizations would like you to believe that legislatively he's a genius, he has no control over the legislative process, by the by. And... Maybe in the future we should do a special episode on what the heck the presidency should actually be, what it was meant to be versus what it's turned itself into. Maybe we should do that in the future, but that's neither here nor there. All right. So do you want to move on to mine? Let's do it. Yeah, go for it. Okay. All right. So the statement is, truth or fiction, Republicans' next big play is to rewrite the Constitution, thus scaring the hell out of Washington, D.C. Wait, the Republicans? So the the Republicans' next big play is to rewrite the Constitution. Truth or fiction? 
my I, I'm curious to what you're going to say about this, because this is kind of one of those really make you think truth or fictions where I could see this going either way. But my, my initial reaction is uh, fiction. And the reason why I say that is why would they want to alienate a large part of their base, a large part of their base that cares about the Constitution? Um, that seems very counterproductive. Unless rewriting the Constitution means like codifying uh, pro-life law or something along those lines or having like a convention of states to to uh, update said constitution to uh, you know unite the country and just make, kind of make the word final on on some key issues. I I don't I don't see them doing this. It would just alien to me. It would alienate their base to do that. Interesting. But I'm curious. I'm curious to see what you mean by this, though. See, this is the rub. This is from Business Insider, Pat. Okay. So, what do you think they mean by rewrite? I mean, is it a fundamental change of our government? Oh no, 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 Pat. What have nineteen what, I, states I, I, already passed? constitutional convention so they're going to oh, rewrite yeah, okay. the constitution to <clears throat> scare the hell out of the uh washington dc elite right uh-huh um so you went with fiction right yeah but, but I, I in fairness i went with that without knowing the full context behind this so i'm curious to see where this goes so for me this has this whole article is fiction this is all left-wing propaganda if you will right right uh-huh it's not about rewriting the constitution it's about making the constitution work because the constitution is supposed to be two things at once it is supposed to be original in terms of its um ability to be adjudicated right but mm -hmm. it is also supposed to be a living constitution, something that as we, the people, decide we need to alter the ties that bind us, we can use it as the mechanism, right? And the right. Convention of the States movement is about what? Balanced budget. It's about doing the things the Republican Party has refused to do for literally my entire life. And the vast majority of my entire life, they have talked about two things. They have hung their hats economically on two things. How do you fix Washington, D.C.? You balance the budget and you term limit, right? Right. They, have they done any of these things? So, no. People like Mark Levin, Daniel Horowitz, myself, other people have worked small, big, on a Convention of the States project. The the thing I would say here is that I wouldn't limit this to just Republicans. I mean, this is about putting the D.C. elites in check, right? Mm -hmm. uh, this is this isn't about putting just putting Republicans and making them do the things that they're, they're they've been promising for years. This is putting the Democratic Party in check and and preventing them from going completely wild and insane on our federal government, our laws, and and the basic foundation of what this country was built on. That's what this is for. Yeah. Just listen to this article real quick, Pat. As former Republican Senator Rick Santorum addressed Republican lawmakers gathered in San Diego at the American Legislative Exchange Council Policy Summit, he detailed a plan to fundamentally remake the United States. That is Ooh. not what the convention... And there's a reason why they're using Article 5 of the Constitution of the United States of America in, in calling for a constitutional convention, right? A convention of the right. states does two things, okay? It allows people to bring certain things up, but it also limits. 
Because if we went another route to get to this convention of the states, okay, mm-hmm. it would be a free-for-all. What we don't want is a free-for-all. We want to be able to bring up limited topics, okay? And this, by the way, is not just a right-wing thing. A lot of people in the libertarian movement believe that this should happen as well. Now, they continue to say it would become a conservative nation. And the transformation, Santorum said, culminates with an unprecedented event, a first-of-its-kind convention to rewrite the Constitution. No. No, it's not a rewrite. This is fundamentally a scare tactic of the left. Mm. This is not meant, this convention of the state has nothing to do with rewriting the Constitution. It, A convention of the state's cannot change or alter on its own current amendments to the Constitution of the United States. It can only do so if it were to pass additional amendments that would strike down previous amendments. But what amendment would the Convention of the States want to strike down? The answer is none of them currently. Not a single one of them that I'm aware of. No, if anything, it would be to enforce what's currently there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and maybe you maybe even try to add other amendments to it. But you, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that's a two-thirds majority of states. Yeah, it's uh, 75% of the states, I think, is where we have to be. It's either two-thirds or 75%. It depends on the mechanism used. Um, now, we do have to get to 34 states, by the way. We're at 19, and we're very close to getting 20 and 21, and, excuse me, 34 states, right? So there's quite a few movements afoot. It just will take making sure that the Republicans control either both or they also control the governor um, and being able to pass these. I think this would be the most healthy thing that we could do to potentially keep our union together. Unfortunately, this is probably at least still a couple of years old because this has been a few years in the making to get to this point. Right. But right? so um, most people that kind of follow this believe that there's at least a 50% chance of this happening in the next five years. I mean, that would be huge. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. It, and and my, here's the rub on this article, Pat. What mm-hmm. really comes down to when you read it and I'll put it out on our social media platform. But when you come down to read it, basically it is how dare they play the long game that's only our territory. We're playing the long game because it involves our constitutional rights and how we are supposed to be able to do this. If you in Washington, D.C. will not do things, we, the people have mechanisms in our arsenal to do them without you. We're pulling, as Rick Santorum says, we're pulling the pin on the grenade. And uh, we're going to do the things you do not want to do. So either do those things, or... Suffer the consequences of being blown up. So I, I I just find it funny the left's this is the left's new scare tactic. They're gonna they're gonna rewrite the constitution and it's gonna become uh, a a conservative nation and mm. and uh, us lefties. Oh, you mean just like what you are attempting to do by using other mechanisms outside of government to make sure that all of the things that you wish you could do in government are actually still being done, right? How did we get ESG scores? How do we get banks that are saying, um, we're never going to fund a gun company? How are we going to do this? How, how, How do we see all of the things that we see in our society today? It's because the left has infiltrated all of it. And has decided, well, if the government won't be able to do these things, we're going to do them for them. 
And that's going to foreshadow something I'm going to talk about later in this program. But um, I, I, I hope, I hope to God that you people understand. Because th this is also their tactic when it comes to um, they're going to turn, uh, turn it into a Christian nation, a Christian theocracy. No. That's an impossibility. Yeah. It is it an utter impossibility because we have not a separation of church and state, but we have a non-establishment clause. A non-establishment clause for all of those who don't understand that. Non-establishment means we cannot establish a religion. Now, what I will say on this point is... To deny that the foundation of our country is Christian is to absolutely deny history. It is 100% to deny history. Our history as a nation is Christian. Hear me on that. Well, what about the, the Native Americans? What about this? What about Right. That is true. Did they found the United States of America? Nope. No way. No how. I, I, I hope people understand this. I think it's something like 95% of everybody who signed the Declaration of Independence was a practicing Christian at that time. An active participant in either a Presbyterian, a Baptist, or um, an Anglican church, or a Congressionalist church, they were active participants. And when you actually look at whom influenced them in writing the Constitution, when you actually understand and look at their Stated influences, not even just guesstimates of historians, but their actual stated written down influences. It's Christian pastors. It's Christian evangelists. The people who came, the pilgrims, right? The people who founded Plymouth Colony, the first successful colony in America, did so flatly for religious reasons. And as we go through our history, they're, they're attempting to scare America into, we're going to become Christian Al-Qaeda, right? That is not the argument that I am making that, Pat, I don't want to presume to put words in your mouth, so I'm going to let you speak on this uh, in a second. But that's not what I'm talking about. What they are attempting to do is, if you suggest we go back to rooting ourselves in the things that got us this country to begin with, if we are to suggest that rooting yourself in God and rooting our nation back in those principles, if you are suggesting that, you are suggesting theocracy. No, I'm not. What I am suggesting is that once you root yourself in those things, and more importantly, once you understand the history that put us in the positions in which we were gaining our independence, writing the Declaration of Independence, our Constitution, this, that, and the other thing. Once you understand that, if you still deny that we were, form uh, were formed as an actual nation believing in Christian principles, you are denying history, just as those who deny that the slave trade was evil, just as those that deny that the crown of England, that the king of England, enforcing slavery, enforcing it, and hoisting it upon America, was evil, are wrong. A denial of real history is wrong. Rewriting history to fit a narrative is wrong. 
1619 Project. But to suggest that we cannot, should not understand and look backwards to gain perspective and transform a future. Now, I will say this. If you are using Christianity as a cudgel to discriminate against other individuals, because here's the rub, that is also a denial of the history of that time. You are doing it wrong as well. If you believe in Christian nationalism, you're doing it wrong. If you believe in, hang on a second, we were founded on Christian traditions, Christian morals, Christian ethics, the Ten Commandments, of which the first two are the most important. If you deny that, it is a denial of history. But if you believe that we can only have Christianity and that we have to go by Christianity as the end-all, be-all of all things, whether that is civil, social, moral, or whatever, that is also wrong. Christian, actual Christian nationalism is wrong. There's a difference between a recognition of our Christian history and wanting to make sure that those roots are continued. There's a difference between that and suggesting that um, if you're anything but a Christian, you should die, which is what Christian nationalism is about. It's the same thing as Muslim nationalism. It's the same thing as um, what you see in India with the 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 Sikhs, the Hindus, and the Buddhists fighting it out, right? It's it's about their religion becoming dominant over everybody else. That's where I come down on this, Pat. What about you? I think so. It's it's good to know that I was right about this being the the initial story of this being fiction. Um, it was just not in the way that I initially interpreted it. Mm-hmm. However, with going down the road of, you know, we're going to try to establish a Christian nation by a, a convention of states. No, mm-hmm. you're right about the the whole um, <clears throat> clause within the Constitution that prevents us from doing so. We also have the First Amendment to also back that up as well. Well, right, and so that no, clause but, is part of the First Amendment. Right. Yeah. So that that that's not going to be a thing. Um, and you're right to deny that that we were founded on Christian principles would be a, a denial of history if if we were to reject that. Um, it's also a denial to say that there weren't a lot of bad things, and I would even argue that there aren't a lot of bad things that are still being done in this country in the name of Christianity. That is also wrong. Uh, no, no, no one is making the argument that you cannot worship or not worship how, what, and who you may, um, in terms of your religion. The whole point is, is that whatever religion you worship or whatever, whatever deity you worship at the end of the day is not infringing on someone else's right to do so for themselves. And it is not impacting people in such a way that is impacting their individual liberty. Um, so th- that would be my, my, my two cents on this. Um, but at the same time, it's like part of me goes down this road of, well, America is establishing religions right now. The establish the, the religion of wokeism, the, the rainbow jihad, the, the spirit of the age type religion. And if we aren't careful, if we don't, go back to the principles that we were founded on in the, in those basic Christian tenets that we were founded on, mm-hmm. we will be doomed to these religion, th- this religion of woke progressivism. And that will be the theocracy that, that runs America if we're not careful. And that's why we need the convention of States. Now, speaking of, um, the counterculture. It is time to play the B or not the B. Are you ready, Pat? 
Let's do it. All right. Today's headline is journalist compares telling noisy neighbors to tone it down with white supremacy. Journalist compares telling noisy neighbors to tone it down with white supremacy. Is this the B or not the B, Pat? And while you're thinking about that, please, folks, uh, visit our fine friends over at American Pride Roasters. Historically great coffee. They've got a ton of stuff. They're, you know, slowly ramping things back up uh, faster and faster. Yeah, our friend uh, Dave DMX and DM on Twitter, um, you know, doing a lot of really good work and um, doing a lot of good things. And uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to get our uh, our flavor up and running sooner rather than later. Um, but um, but I'm giving him the grace and, and the time needed to focus on other things right now. Um, but yeah, go visit AmericanPrideRoasters.com, historically great coffee. Get yourself some of the Burr Hamilton, the Frederick Douglass, the George Washington, all sorts of wonderful goodness there, uh, flavored, unflavored, you name it. AmericanPrideRoasters.com. All right. So do you need the headline one more time? One more time. Journalist compares telling noisy neighbors to tone it down with white supremacy. Is that the B or not the B? That is my question. Not, this is a hard one. Because given given today's given today's culture, you can totally see this this happening. So I might lose this one. I'm gonna go with not to be. Are you sure? No, I'm really not. I'm really not. I, and this is this is one of the hardest ones I've had in a while. Final answer? Yeah, I'm gonna go with final answer. Good choice. You are correct. $100 of Dominic Izzo's uh, totally legit MLM money. All right. So if you tell somebody to quiet down so you can sleep, you're literally Hitler. At least that's the line. The Atlantic writer Zoxchil Gonzalez comes really close to arguing in this new article today. Why do rich people love quiet? The sound of gentrification is silence. Now, I won't go into the entire article here because it is very, very long. Um, but, Pat, can you guess maybe three things that this article hits on? Well, white supremacy <laughs> being one. Um, I'm guessing bigotry with, like, the LGBTQ plus elemental P community. And... I don't know. I feel like something's gonna be like something with COVID's gonna be in there for for some reason. Mm. You only hit the head on the nail one time there. Um, Damn. Now, okay. what if I told you that this writer went to the Ivy League? That I would believe. Mm -hmm. I would believe mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. 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 <clears throat> I first arrived on campus for the minority student orientation. The welcome event had the feel of a block party. Blaza, blaza, blasting on a boombox. It was the 90s. We spent those first few nights convening in one another's rooms, gossiping and dancing until late, until late. Uh, um, <clears throat> he excluded the fact that they were probably drinking their asses off. But anyway, oh, uh, we were I'm, learning I'm, to find I'm some comfort in this new place way. and with one another. Then uh -huh. the other students arrived. The white students. The first day of classes were uh, the first day of classes was marked. First of all, the first day of classes was marked. It's were you, you, you can't use my God English. It's, it's past tense. Yes, it already happened. The first day of classes was marked by such glorious waspy pomp that it made my young aspirational heart leap. Professors in academic regalia gave speeches about centuries-old traditions and how wonderful and unique they were, blah, 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 blah. Of course, then the other students arrived, the white students. I just hadn't counted on everything that followed being so quiet. The hush crept up on me at first. I would be hanging out with my friends from orientation when one of the new roommates would start ostentatiously reading themselves for bed readying themselves for bed at a surprisingly early hour. Hints would be taken, eyes would be rolled, and we'd call it a night. 
One day, when I accidentally sat down to study in the library's absolutely quiet room, <clears throat> absolutely quiet, it means absolutely quiet, fellow students shushed me into shame for putting on my discman. With rare exceptions like Saturday nights during rush, silence blanketed the campus. There's a reason for absolute quiet. Um, it, it, it's called concentration. It's, it's called I, I believe this person went to Harvard. Is it, am I right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. Man, those white people are scary, aren't they? And then he goes on to talk about how when he got back to Brooklyn, um, Rudy Giuliani had taken over, and um, suddenly the clubs and all that stuff had had gone out to the outskirts of Brooklyn and all this other stuff, right? Uh, blah, 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 blah. And uh, how gentrification ruined all the fun for the minorities. For generations, immigrants and racial minorities were relegated to the outer boroughs and city fringes, far but free. No one else much cared about what happened there. When I went to college, it was clear to me that I was a visitor in a foreign land, and I did my best to respect its customs. But now the foreigners had come to my shores with no intention of leaving, and they were demanding the rest of us change to make them more comfortable. Blah, 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 blah. By the way, Pat, um... I was going to put this in WTF tomorrow, but I don't know if we're going to have time for this. Um, do you know that um, <clears throat> Mexico is really pissed off at America right now? Or at least the Mexicans are? That, that makes me laugh a little bit, but um, you know why? just out of curiosity, why? Well, you see all the white Americans are fleeing California for Mexico City. And they're <clears throat> gentrifying Mexico City. Because, see, the, the, the thing that most Americans don't know about Mexico is it's actually a really racist country. It is a super racist country. If you are a white Mexican, you are like lowest of the low on the totem pole when it comes to racial uh, politics. It's about the, the, the brown and indigenous people, right? And then you as a gringo are, are dirt, at least socially, you're supposed to be, even though that um, because they hate the fact that a lot of the white Mexican population is the rich Mexican population. And um, um, how dare we, Pat, um, have remote work and therefore people figured out how to get the hell out of California and decided, you know what, I'm going to go to Mexico City where um, I can pay the same rent that I'm paying in California for like triple the space. And then um, live on less money. This is literally what, what we talk about when it comes to free markets, right? They hate so, the white American for daring to, to go to Mexico City, rent the places that they wish that they, they could rent. And, and, and how dare they speak English while they're down there too. So they're pissed about people immigrating to their country and kind of sort of taking over some they're of just, their... They're just living there. They're not immigrating, you know? Oh, gotcha. And, okay. and I, do see, I do see one thing. If you were going to be there long-term, learn Spanish. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. If yeah. you're going to any country long-term, you should at least be giving an effort, right? Right. Being a contributor. But on the other side of this, right? We're not expected. We can't demand you learn English. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It, it is hilarious to read this article. I'll have to find it and send it to you. But um, oh my god, hilarious! I, I could not stop laughing at this article. The the irony of this thing too is uh -huh. just, uh huh, yeah. Anywho, with that, uh -huh. uh, Pat, um, why don't you give me your second truth or fiction? All right. Um, <clears throat> truth or fiction uh, Biden's six quarter approval is the lowest of any president ever polled so after six quarters of being president mm, correct um, I'm going to go with truth on that 
because okay. I can't think of anybody who has lower ratings with more uh, subsections of the population than Joe Biden. I mean, I, he has some of the lowest ratings I've ever seen from within his own party, let alone the outside. I think it's something like only 8% of Republicans have a good opinion of what Joe Biden's been doing or his job approval, if you will. I just, I don't see how this is not a thing. That's true. I, this is truth for me. He is, again, the worst president of my lifetime. Now, I was not alive for Jimmy Carter, who I can make the argument is probably the actual worst president of ours and our parents' lifetimes. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a that's a fair point. I want to agree with you. That this is truth, and the reason why is because uh, Gallup, Jeez. take that for what you will, um. <clears throat> Surveyed a thousand adults, so thirty-eight, uh, and then uh, Biden's approval rating had sunk thirty-eight percent in New Gallup poll uh, conducted between July fifth and July twenty-sixth. That number is the lowest approval of his presidency so far in Gallup's polling. The firm also reported that Biden's average approval rating over the first year and a half of his presidency is the lowest of any president in the polls seventy-four-year. History. According to the Gallup, Biden's approval currently sits at 38% with 59% disapproval, a record high disapproval. Furthermore, respondents had much stronger negative feelings than positive. 45% of respondents said they strongly disapprove of Biden's presidency compared to just 14% who moderately disapproved. Meanwhile, 13% of respondents strongly approved to Biden, while 25% approved only moderately. Unbelievable. Um, now, what you also need to know quickly about that poll is um, it skews way heavy Democrat. Yep. Way heavy. And, yep. and I don't have a problem with it skewing Democrat because it should be representative of the last time we voted, right? Which... I mean, There's a difference between that is. and what Gallup is doing, though. Gallup is telling us at, I think it's almost 11 or 13 percent difference between uh, Democrat and Republican. That's a uh, massive okay. skewing. Mm -hmm. It's There's a difference between skewing three to four percent Democrat or right. Republican, because that's probably right. representative of, of the population vote, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, but that kind of skewing. So that's just one thing to uh, to consider. All right. That's why I said, you know, when I when I said Gallup, take it for what you will. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, so my truth or fiction before we uh, head on out of this program today um, is going to be this truth or fiction. We have so emasculated our society that men are afraid to stand up to violent women. As a whole, I'm going to go to truth. Um, I mean, look, look, look what the Me Too movement did. Uh, I, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be putting men who actually committed sexual assault or rape or whatever have you, they, that they shouldn't face consequences because they should. Mm -hmm. But look at how many people also lied and destroyed, you know, like, 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 and it's not just, just, just that it's, it's. The expectation of toxic masculinity, um, and 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 how that is being perceived, how masculinity is being perceived in this country today, um, and and how the woke culture views men today. I mean, if it's not if that's not emasculating, I I don't know what is. Yeah, so I I think this is truth, and because. I worded it specifically because I knew that that this would be a an interesting topic, but um, I said standing up to violent women, mm -hmm. not just stand up to women, because Fair. because violence against women is wrong. Okay, I agree. That is, that is a teaching of Christian morality. Okay, mm -hmm. 
I would never dream of raising a hand to a woman. Sure. But I also know that if they are committing violent acts and if they are committing crime in front of me, I treat them like any other criminal. Okay, so let's say that they're going to brandish a gun and you're a concealed carry person. Are you are you not going to because it's a woman? That is the emasculation of our society. And there's a fine, fine example of this that took place um, in New York City, of all places, um, where a absolutely bat-nuts crazy event took place. Three women were charged for destroying a New York City restaurant over an extra $1.75 dipping sauce cost. Oh, jeez. <clears throat> oh. So, the video shows women, the women, taunting the employees, trashing the eatery, twerking against a pan, uh, pandemic plastic barrier atop the main counter, and one of the uh, women immediately tore down the COVID blocker mid-twerk, by the way. Now, this is the important part. Rafael Nunez, a man, the restaurant's chef, told Univision start, uh, that everything started after he tried to explain to the women that the extra sauce for the potatoes they had cost $1.75. That's when they got upset. We explained to them that this is a business rule and that it is equal for everybody, but they didn't understand. Nunez said the women destroyed the establishment's computers. They stole cash from the register. They threw sauce containers across the restaurant. He added that he was, was, was unsure of how he could defend himself since the perpetrators were women. <clears throat> Quote, it only occurred to me to take out the phone as a defense in case something happened to me. So it was recorded, Nunez continued. I thought about using a knife or pouring hot oil on them, but none of that seemed appropriate to me. Then I felt impotence because I wanted to retaliate, but I didn't know how. Now, another employee, Victoria Baez, said that the women threw hot sauce and tequila at her face, which affected her ability to see. I turned on the alarm to scare them because sometimes that works, but not with them. They didn't leave. And the saddest thing is that everyone saw it as a joke and laughed. Nobody stopped them. <clears throat> Again, then I felt impotence because I wanted to retaliate, but I didn't know how. Now, obviously, I think this is a case of a little bit of a potential for not full English Spanish translation here or understanding of the English language. I think what he means is uh, he felt emasculated or he felt um, powerless, if you will, because he wanted to stop them. Right? He wanted to retaliate for their actions and stop them on the spot. But he was so worried about, oh, wait, this is the instant reaction, by the way. This is the, the mental thought process that somebody at this restaurant went through, right? They're women. I'm a man. There's cell phones out there. Oh, bleep. I better not react. We've trained our society so well to wait a minute. There's a cell phone. There's a hierarchy of intersectionality and if i violate that hierarchy of intersectionality it doesn't matter if i was right or wrong i'm going to be wrong so you're going to allow somebody to stab you you're going to allow somebody to to pour oil on you to do to do violent things to you but you cannot do something back you cannot defend yourself and i'm not talking about Going on offense, I'm simply talking about defending yourself, making sure that yourself gets to be safe. We can't even do that without the threat of, oh, bleep, right? How is this going to look? That's where we go. Before we go, my, my own safety first. We as a society have decided... Um, we can't defend ourselves against violent women if you're a man. You gotta I, let it I, I happen also, to you. No, you don't. I would also, I would also argue that this isn't just about violent women. 
This is about <clears throat> violent women in the spirit of the age being able to go viral. And it's it's about violent people, people, period. Right. Because the so even here in Chicago, Pat, we we have had what is the training? Um when when an armed robbery is is in front of you. We'll just give them everything. Okay, but if you give them your cell phone, you give them your wallet, how do you get your life back? Right. You don't, because what they do with that cell phone is immediately lock it out, change the passcode, lock it out, so you don't get access to it. So if you don't have your computer by you, by the time that they have figured that out, they've charged your credit cards, they've done this, they've done that, they probably have the keys to your house, to your building, to all of those things. Now all of that needs to be changed, right? Now, that's the training. We have three stories here in the last week and a half in Chicago of people doing what? Fighting back. And guess what? It's worked. One of them fought off six attackers over the course of, what, four, I think it was, uh, different stops on the CTA, red line. Just by, they were armed robbery, trying to rob him. And he stabbed their asses. <laughs> he just can. They tried to chase him around for four different uh, CTA red line stops. He lived. They would have shot and killed him. He lived, and they didn't get his stuff nor any satisfaction out of this, and they're all in jail. We had another incident where somebody tried to arm rob a um, a woman um, just as she was about to get to her vehicle. She was walking down the street and she had hit the button to unlock the car. They tried to rob her and the car as she did that. Little did they know that she was a concealed carry holder and she shot their asses. <laughs> How do people like these people? How does this violent type of an individual? understand and i don't believe that violence be or answering violence with violence is not always the right thing to do but when we have a culture that is set up the way that it is right now i'm pretty sure these people when they know that you're not going to submit to them are going to stop because it turns out they actually value like living a little bit and more importantly um they don't like being stabbed they don't like being shot they don't like these things when they know that there's no consequences for their action, that's when these things go up. Please, please tell me these women were arrested, by the way. Um, yeah, yeah, of course they are. They're being charged for destroying stuff. Um, Is that I don't all? Know what the charges are necessarily? I'm, mm -hmm. I'm trying to take a look at it here. Um, but yeah, they are they are being charged. They face assault, robbery, and criminal mischief charges. Okay, that's better. Right, but the problem is that the vast majority of people here in Chicago are not going to face these kind of charges. They right, can't, I know. They can't even clear 3% of the murders in the city. But, you know, let alone the car robberies, let alone all of those things. It is almost pointless for you to, to report anything to the police here. It is, because they're not going to do a damn thing. So unfortunately, the answer probably is... You, if you want to decrease the incidents, then you make them think twice about that action. If if they if they have to sit there and wonder if this person that I'm about to rob is going to stab or shoot me, there's your answer. Unfortunately, because the police ain't doing shit. Not around here. Not in New York City. Not in Baltimore. Not in St. Louis. Not in L.A., nowhere. Right. Yeah. Ain't doing shit for you. When, when these types of things happen, because they're instantaneous, and they're not catching these people. They're not going to. Well, it's not worth getting shot over. It's also not worth these people being able to run roughshod over my neighborhood, my life, my city. No. 
If you're not going to do something, we have to. And, and I hope people understand why I brought this, this story up. Because this is a fine example of the emasculation of our society. The, oh no, I can't do something because I got to check the intersectional boxes off before I can interact with these people. We have trained our society so well to think through that. Instead, the reaction should be, how do I protect my life and my in the livelihoods and lives of all of my fellow employees first? And damn the, damn the social media consequences. And with that, Pat, your final thoughts on today's show. Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. I just have no words. Have Please no words. be smart. Be safe. Be kind. As always, Matthew 547. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.